Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. How many of you have ever been to London? Okay, wow, a lot of people. I imagine across all our campuses watching online. Uh, my first trip to London, actually I wasn't going to London, I was traveling through London, but I had a 10-hour layover, so I thought, well, I'm going to see as much of the city as I can possibly see, and I began to put some plans together, had a lot of questions, you know, when I get to the city, should I travel by foot, or taxi, or double-decker bus, or take the tube, as it's, you know, known, the underground uh, subway system, and while I'm wrestling with all these notions... A friend of mine said, well, I got a buddy who lives in in London. I'll put you in touch. So I I got to know Dave, and Dave willingly gave up a day of work to be my tour guide. And he took me around. We saw everything. Okay, We saw Parliament. We saw Big Ben. We saw Buckingham Palace. uh, We saw Westminster Abbey, St. Paul's Cathedral. For lunch, we went downstairs in the basement, the crypt of St. Paul's. We had lunch down there with all the dead people uh, who'd been famous British people who'd been buried down there. And Dave just knew his way around the city and how to get from one place to the other. In fact, if you've never been on the tube, it's like three levels of subway. You're going up and down escalators and changing trains and so on. By the end of the day, uh, Dave was my uh, new BFF, and I added him to my Christmas card list. So when, when we need help finding our way around a huge foreign city, it's great to have a personal guide, to have a protector, a, a friend, someone to shepherd us through that experience. Well, the Bible teaches that there is no better way uh, to find our way through life than to have a good shepherd. And that good shepherd, that, that life coach, wouldn't you love to have a life coach? That life coach, his name is Jesus. Uh, we are in the fourth week of a seven-part series where we're exploring the identity of Jesus by studying seven I am statements that Jesus made about himself in the Gospel of John. This is a Jesus-focused series deliberately uh, to get us warmed up, to get us prepared to celebrate Holy Week, a few weeks out yet, uh, Good Friday and Easter and, and so on. So far in this series, We've considered Jesus' claims, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Last week it was, I am the gate for the sheep. And today we're looking at a second sheep-related claim of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. And we're going to turn to the same chapter, John chapter 10, that our guest speaker Cisco used last week. So if you brought a Bible with you, would you turn with me to John uh, chapter 10, John chapter 10. Uh, There are over 500 references to sheep in the Bible. So a first century audience in Palestine, they would have had a much easier time understanding the important role of a shepherd than a 21st century congregation in St. Charles or DeKalb or Streamwood or Aurora. And and besides having a cultural advantage over us when it came uh, to understanding shepherds, Jesus' original audience in John 10, they had been raised on the Old Testament in which God himself is frequently referred to as the shepherd. So the familiar psalm that we recited earlier in our worship today, Psalm 23 begins with the words, the Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not be in want. Psalm 80 begins, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead us like a flock. God declares about himself in Ezekiel 34, verses 15 and 16, I will shepherd my sheep and have them lie down. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. And then when God promises his Old Testament people a Messiah, a Savior, he says that 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 Savior will be known as a shepherd. So when Jesus finally arrives on the scene and he declares in in today's passage, not once but, but twice, I am the good shepherd, wow, that was an outrageous claim. I want you to take a look at John 10, verse 11. We're going to put this verse up on the screen. This is our our verse for the day. I want you to read it with me nice and loud. Here we go. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's do it one more time. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. I am the good shepherd. Now, our our English translation doesn't capture the full impact of the original Greek text here. See, in the original Greek Greek language of John chapter 10, the the definite article, the, is repeated twice in the verse we just read. So it literally reads, I am the shepherd, the good one. I am the shepherd. In other words, I'm the ultimate shepherd. Shepherd, this is a not-too-subtle claim to be God. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, what else does this claim to be a good shepherd? What does it tell us about Jesus? Well, in order to answer that, that, that question, we, we need to know what a shepherd did in ancient times. And there are four aspects of a, a shepherd's job description that we're going to consider today. If you haven't taken your outline out yet, I encourage you to take that out and fill it out as we go. Four aspects of a shepherd's job, each of which Jesus applies to himself. Here's number one. The good shepherd calls. He calls. Now, I want to read a few verses from the opening part of this chapter to you. So go back to verse 2 of John 10. Follow along as I read. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls, if you've got your own Bible, just circle the word there. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice voice. A good shepherd calls. Now again, this is the same text, the same passage of scripture that Cisco used last week when he talked about a different I am statement, I am the gate for the sheep. And he showed us a picture of an ancient sheep pen. In fact, I think we got, yeah, that, that's what it looked like. Now, you need to understand that the sheep weren't typically held in a sheep pen. Most of the year they were outside. They would be on the hillside outside the village grazing every day, and at night the shepherd would lie down outside in the great outdoors with the sheep. But during the winter months, the sheep would be brought into town. All the various flocks that were shepherded by different shepherds, they'd be be brought into the village and put in a common, one big common sheep-holding pen, and a watchman would be hired, and he would stand guard over the sheep. 
Now, if it was a nice day in the winter months and it was mild and you wanted to take your sheep out for some grazing, you would go to the, the sheep pen and you would get ID'd by the guard. He'd let you in and then you'd call for your sheep. You'd call, here, sheepy, sheepy. <laughs> Sounds better in Hebrew, all right? <laughs> now, now, you're probably thinking, but okay, if you step into the sheep pen and there are a bunch of different shepherd's flocks in there and you call your sheepy sheepy aren't all the sheep going to be running toward you and this is where if you were Jesus first century audience you know the answer to that question the answer is no because the sheep only respond to their shepherd's voice they know the, vo the, vo the word voice pops up three times in the short paragraph I read to you a moment ago the shepherd's voice the sheep recognize his voice they only follow their shepherd's voice now, what this teaches us about Jesus, Jesus calls. And, and, and when we respond, it's because we belong to him. We belong to him. Now, I've never been a shepherd, but I've been a pet owner. We've had a number of cats and dogs as uh, you know, we raised our family. Uh, they say a difference between a cat and a dog. You know, a dog, if you call a dog, they immediately come bounding toward you. If you call a cat it takes your number and promises to get back to you, okay? Now, I can vouch for this. We, we had this cat named Sugar, and Sugar was Sue's cat. She was not my cat, and the reason I say that is Sugar never came to my voice, never. She was an indoor-outdoor cat, so at the end of the day, I'd open the, the slider to the patio, and I'd call, here, Sugar, 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 come on, kitty, 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 come on. Come on. Nothing. Now, Sue would step up next to me, and she'd go, shug, and boom, the cat would bound into, into the room. She'd be right there because sugar belonged to Sue. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you belong to Jesus? Do, do you belong to Jesus? He, here's how you can tell. When Jesus calls, you respond. When Jesus says, follow me, you follow him. Have you ever taken the first step in following Jesus? The first step is to surrender your life to him. Have you ever done that? You know, one of Jesus' favorite stories, uh, you could read it for yourself sometime in Luke chapter 15, is about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders off. And that shepherd leaves 99 safely grazing sheep behind in order to go look for the one straggler. And he searches until he finds the one strayed sheep. And then he gathers it in his arms and he carries it home. And when he gets the sheep home, he's so elated, he invites his friends over to have a party. That's how much Jesus wants you to belong to him. You're like that lost sheep. You know, the prophet Isaiah puts it this way, Isaiah 53, verse 6. He says, we, we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now, that's not a very flattering picture of the human condition. We're all like sheep, stubbornly going our way instead of God's way, wandering farther and farther and farther away from God. But Jesus tracks us down. Jesus calls our name. In fact, that's exactly what verse 3 of John 10 says. Look at verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name. He calls his own sheep by name. Jesus calls, Lisa, follow me. 
and Lisa surrenders her life to Jesus. Jesus calls, Jared, follow me. And Jared surrenders his life to Jesus. Jesus calls, Sam, follow me. And Sam surrenders his life to Jesus. And Lisa and Jared and Sam, they now belong to Jesus. They responded to his voice. But, but, but what if they didn't respond to his voice? What if they didn't surrender their lives to him? What if they didn't follow Jesus? Then they wouldn't be his sheep. They wouldn't belong to him. There, there's no middle ground here. There's no middle ground. Now, just a, just a quick footnote to this point. One of the ways that we demonstrate that we've responded to Jesus' voice, one of the ways we demonstrate that we've truly surrendered our lives to him is by our participation in the life of the flock. Drop down to verse 16 for, for just a moment. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is the shepherd of a flock of sheep, a community of sheep. When we respond to his voice, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we not only belong to him, we belong to his flock, his community, his church. You know, I sometimes hear people say, well, I'm into Jesus, I'm just not into church. Impossible. You can't belong to the good shepherd and not belong to the good shepherd's flock. So, so if you have little interest in church, if you have little interest in worshiping at its services and serving in its ministries and giving toward its mission and participating in its outreach, that's a telltale sign that there's something wrong in your relationship with the Good Shepherd. In fact, there's a good chance you don't yet have a relationship with the Good Shepherd because when he calls and you respond and surrender your life to him, you not only be, become one of his, you're a member of the flock. You get it? Good, good. What does a shepherd do? He calls. He calls. What's your response? What's your response? Now, number two, he leads. Let's go back to John chapter 10. Uh, take a second look at uh, verses 3 and 4, beginning with the last line of verse 3. He he, the good shepherd, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Circle the word leads there. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead. Goes on ahead. You could circle. Same thing as leads. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the good shepherd leads his sheep. Now, this is not how shepherding sheep is done in most of the world today. Uh, we have huge flocks of sheep, and they're typically not led by a shepherd. They are driven from behind, and uh, you know, with the assistance of sheepdogs that are yapping at their heels. That's not the way it was in Jesus' day. Uh, back then, flocks were smaller, and the shepherd personally knew his sheep. He would walk ahead of his sheep. He would lead his sheep. Now, what sorts of activities would leading include? Well, to answer that question, I turn to a book that I've read several times over, a fascinating book written by a professional shepherd. His name is Philip Keller. Uh, Keller was raised in East Africa, where still to this day, uh, local tribesmen shepherd sheep in much the same way that they were shepherded in ancient Bible times. So 
Keller observed all this, and then as he became a young man, he moved to Australia, and he bought a, a sheep ranch, and he operated the sheep ranch for, for eight years. So this dude really knows shepherding. And it just so happens that he's also a Christ follower, so he's very familiar with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and decided to write a book on what he'd learned about Jesus the Good Shepherd from Shepherding Sheep. The book is called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. Very popular book, sold over a million copies. In fact, when I knew I was gonna do this sermon, we ordered a bunch of copies of this book, and because we ordered it in bulk, we're able to sell it to you for five bucks. So if you want a copy of the book, at uh, resource at any of our four campuses today. Fascinating book on the life of a shepherd and what it teaches us about Jesus. So in this book, there, there are several activities that Keller associates with leading the sheep. So first activity, feeding. Feeding, okay, a shepherd has to lead his sheep to food. And green pastures are hard to come by. And Keller says that sheep have to be constantly kept on the move. Otherwise, they will overgraze an area. They'll eat up all the grass. The soil will erode. A little parasites will then begin to thrive there. The sheep will eat the parasites. And oh, yuck, you get problems on your hands. So Keller says that he used to move his sheep to a new pasture every week. Every week, and then, then he'd have to maintain his various pastures. Rocks had to be removed, irrigation provided, poisonous weeds uprooted, new grass frequently planted, feeding sheep. It's hard work, hard work. So how does Jesus, how does Jesus, the good shepherd, how does he feed us? What life-sustaining nourishment does Jesus provide for us? If you think you know, call it out. What does he give us? Exactly, he gives us his word. Jesus says in Matthew 4, verse 4, and he's quoting a passage from Deuteronomy when he says this. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So it's not enough to have physical food, Jesus says. If you're, if you're one of my sheep, if you're one of my followers, I want to provide you with soul nourishment, okay? The, the word of God, the word of God. And so feeding on the Bible is a critical activity for every Christ follower. The psalmist says to God, Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. The prophet Jeremiah exclaims, Jeremiah 15, verse 16, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy. They were my heart's desire. Now, feeding on God's word, you know, it means more than just reading the Bible every day, though that's where you got to begin. You know, daily reading God's word, but it, it, it means chewing on the word as you read it. Not, not just reading it in a cavalier fashion, but mulling it over. You know, reading and rereading until you come away with an application for your life. How am I going to put this into practice today? It means getting out a pen and a notebook, a Bible-savvy journal, and jotting something down that God has taught you as you've, as you've read. You know, the, the, the Bible word for all this is, is meditate. Psalm 1, verse 2 says that we're to meditate on God's word day and night. Meditate's an interesting word uh, because literally, translated literally, it means to mutter. 
So you, you just picture yourself, you know, as you're reading God's word, you're talking to yourself. You're mutter, 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 mutter. What does this mean? How am I going to apply this to my life? What are you trying to say to me today, God? Bible scholars tell us it's also a word that's used to describe the sound that animals make while they're grazing. How about that? So just as sheep are, are out there munching on the grass in the field, God wants you every day to be reading his word. The good shepherd has provided nourishment for your soul. And you know what? If you're not in God's word daily, you are a starved sheep. If you could see a picture of yourself as a sheep today, you're a scrawny, skinny sheep, underfed. And some of you are saying, well, that's why I come to church. Feed me. Good. That's once a week. You say, but I'm in a community group. I do a lesson. You know, I put 15 minutes into that lesson the night before my community group meets. Okay, you fed twice a week. So you need nourishment every day from God's word. Leading the sheep involves feeding the sheep. Secondly, it, it involves comforting the sheep. Comforting the sheep. Keller says that a shepherd has to work hard to keep sheep pest-free. Sheep are absolutely driven crazy by pests. You got uh, mosquitoes and gnats and ticks and flies. And, and if a sheep isn't helped out in, in this regard, it's driven to distraction. It'll be on its feet constantly. It will get no rest. It will be stomping its, its uh, legs. It'll be wagging its head back and forth. It'll be rubbing up against a rock or, or a bush. Sheep have, have been known to bang their head on the ground trying to get rid of those pests. And so a shepherd has, has to apply repellents, douse the sheep with, with repellent. In fact, often what they do is they got a big vat of this repellent and they just dip the sheep in the repellent. And then when the sheep gets out, out of the insect repellent, the shepherd will take an oil mixture and rub it in their nostrils to keep the flies out. Kind of brings to mind Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, verse 5 says, he anoints my head with oil. The shepherd brings comfort to our lives. Jesus, the good shepherd, you know, wants to deal with the pests in your life. You've got some pesky problems you're facing these days that are keeping you awake at night, that are troubling you. You've got stressors in your life. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wants to lead you into green pastures and make you lie down by still waters, Psalm 23 says. The good shepherd brings comfort. Call out to him. Ask for the comfort he brings. Some of you are saying, I'm, I'm so frazzled today, I can't even pray. And I've been there. You know, there, there, there are times when I say to Sue, I say, I can't pray for myself. Would, would you pray for me? So if, if you're here today and you're suffering some discomfort of any kind, let us pray for you. You know, I hope you're in a community group, and I, I hope you've got the boldness to go to your group and say, hey, this is the stress I'm facing right now. Here are the problems I'm facing. Would you guys pray for me? I can't even pray for myself. You know, if you're at one of our campuses today and you're going through troubled times, I hope when the service is over and we announce that there is a prayer champion at the back of every zone in which you're, you're seated right now who wants to pray for you. I hope you'll let us pray for you. If you're suffering, well, one of the things that we address at Care Night, 
you know, addiction or grief or a divorce or any number of things that we address at Care Night. I hope you'll come to Care Night and let somebody pray for you. The Good Shepherd brings comfort. He leads by feeding, leads by comforting, leads by restoring. Restoring. Every sheep wanders off from time to time. Every sheep wanders off from time to time. And one of the fixes that a sheep, a wandering sheep, will get into is they will become what's called cast. Now, what, what, what cast means is that a sheep has gone off on its own and it's overindulged itself and it's rolled over on its back and then it can't get up. I think we got a picture of it. Yes. Yeah. Google it sometime because there are some with the sheep straight feet straight up in the air. Can't get back up, and it's a dangerous, it looks cute, looks kind of funny here, but it's not so funny because in real life, in a very hot climate with the sun blazing, gases begin to build up in the rumen of the sheep and cut off the blood circulation, and if the sheep is not turned onto its feet within a couple of hours, it will die. It will die. So Keller tells in his book how he was constantly counting his sheep multiple times a day, and if one sheep was missing, he would take off on a rescue mission. And if he got to the sheep, hopefully before the buzzard, buzzards did, then he had the challenge of trying to up, upright this very clumsy sheep and then massage its legs until the blood began to circulate again and even carry the sheep back home. Foolish, strange sheep. Foolish, strain people like you and like me who frequently wander away from the Good Shepherd. We sang it this morning. If you were here for the opening song, you know, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Some sinful behavior that puts distance between Jesus and us. What is it for you? What, what does it for you? What causes you to be cast? You indulge and you roll over and then you can't get up. Maybe it's blowing up in anger. Maybe it's looking at porn. Maybe it's drinking too much. Maybe it's gossiping about coworkers or fellow students. Maybe it's sleeping with your boyfriend. Maybe it's ignoring the poor. Maybe it's cheating at business or disrespecting your parents or spending too much money on yourself or nursing a grudge. We, we roll over into some sinful behavior and then we can't get up. And maybe you're in that position today. You're stuck. Jesus, the good shepherd, has just tracked you down. That's why he's got you here today. And he would say to you in the words of 1 John 1, verse 9, if you'll confess your sins to me, I am faithful and just, and I will forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. You know, I've said several times in this series already that Lent, these weeks, this season that leads up to Good Friday and Easter, uh, traditionally, historically, it's been a time for Christ followers to get real with him, to confess sin in their lives, to do some extra uh, soul searching, and to make sure that they're walking in holiness before God. Fourth activity that's involved in leading. So, uh, to lead sheep involves feeding them and comforting them and restoring them and uh, a fourth activity, disciplining them. 
And here's one that I didn't learn about from Keller's book. I learned about it from a Bible commentary on John chapter 10. According to the scholar who wrote this commentary, if a shepherd in ancient times had a sheep that was constantly strained, constantly getting into, into trouble, the shepherd might, now listen to this, the shepherd might break one of the sheep's forelegs. You say, are you kidding me? Break a sheep's leg? Why would a shepherd do that? For a couple of reasons. Reason number one, because it's the only way to break the habit, no pun intended, of the sheep consistently wandering away and eventually maybe harming itself to the point of death. So the shepherd just has to stop the sheep from doing this. And the second reason a shepherd would do it is it would cause the sheep to rebond with the shepherd. Because now the shepherd's got to carry it around for a while. The sheep's got to stick by the shepherd's side. See, sometimes, friend, friends, Jesus allows painful circumstances in our lives, broken leg experiences, if you would, because it's the only way he can get our attention. It's the only way he can put a stop to some sinful waywardness in our lives. It's the only way he can get us to draw near to him and depend on him once again. I have no doubt in a crowd this size across four campuses, people watching online, there are some of you right now who are in a period of discipline, and he's waiting for you to respond to it and say, okay, I've strayed, I get it, you want to break this habit in my life. Take over. Take over, good shepherd. So what does a good shepherd do? He calls. He leads, and he leads by feeding, comforting, restoring, and disciplining. And number three, he sacrifices. He sacrifices. Now, if we had to distinguish the dominant theme behind Jesus, I am the good shepherd claim, this would be it. What does it mean? It means he sacrifices. He sacrifices. Jesus says not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, five times in a passage I'm about to read to you, I lay down my life for the sheep. So let me read to you verses 11 through 18. And as I do, if you've got your own Bible, just circle that phrase every time it pops up, okay? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life, that's the first time, for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life, there you have it again, for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. There it is, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life to save the sheep. And th this is so important, Keller says in his book, because sheep have no means of protection other than their shepherd. No means of protection, no defense on the part of the sheep. The only thing they know how to do is run, and they're very clumsy, slow runners. They're not going to get away from any predator. 
You know, he tells a humorous story in his book of a time when a friend of his stopped by, and as she got out of her car, her little Pekingese puppy jumped out, yapped once or twice, and 200 sheep took off on stampede, all trying to get away from this little Pekingese puppy. So, so the good shepherd knows that he is the only line of defense for the sheep. I mean, if, if you've got a Bible storybook at home and you've got this picture of a mild-mannered shepherd holding a sweet, cuddly little lamb, get those images out of your mind. Okay, shepherding in ancient times was not for sissies. King David, who had been a former shepherd, you know, David tells the story in 1 Samuel 17 where on one occasion he had to protect a sheep from a bear going hand-to-paw combat with a bear. Another time it was a lion until he killed the predator. And, and, and a shepherd who owned the flock, that shepherd, he would stick it out when things got really, really dangerous. Unlike the hired help. Okay, you could hire a, a shepherd, a sheep worker, but they would cut and run if they saw a wolf approaching. That's what Jesus says. Look at, look at verse 12 again. He sees the wolf and the dude takes off. Now the rabbis, the rabbis wrote instructions for hired sheep workers in a book of rules called the Mishnah. And they said, you know, if you're a hired sheep worker and you see one wolf coming, it's your responsibility to stay with the sheep and protect them. If you see two wolves coming, then you're allowed to cut and run. I think it's kind of amusing because in my imagination, I picture a lot of hired sheep workers having trouble with double vision, you know, because they see a wolf coming and it's, I think that's two. I'm out of here, you know. It's either a paycheck or my life. I think I'll save my life and forfeit the paycheck. See, but Jesus, the good shepherd, he's not a hired hand. He owns the sheep. He's not doing this for a salary. He's doing it because his sheep belong to him. So he lays down his life. In fact, that's exactly what it cost Jesus to protect us. He laid down his life. Please understand that a shepherd wouldn't do this willy-nilly, you know, lay down his life. He wouldn't take unnecessary risks because he knew that if a predator took him out and he didn't he didn't take the predator out in the process. He laid down his life, but he didn't kill the, the predator. Then the predator would devour his sheep after killing the shepherd. So you had to make sure. I mean, if you were going to lay down your life, you had to make sure that the predator was going down with you. Jesus, the good shepherd, that's exactly what happened. The predator who's after us, friend, is called death. Okay, let, let, let me explain from Scripture. If you've been around our church, you've heard, heard me say this many times. You know, we're all in trouble because we have a tendency to go our way instead of God's way. We all, like sheep, Isaiah says, have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And the trouble with disconnecting from God by going our way instead of his way is that we've just disconnected from the source of life. And when you disconnect from the source of life, you die. That's the consequence of sin. It's death. It's spiritual death that starts on the inside, which becomes physical death. And if this problem isn't remedied, it becomes eternal death. So Jesus came to earth on a mission. His mission was to lay down his life for the sheep. His mission was to take on the predator death. And as Jesus died in our place, paying the penalty for our sin, death died. He took death out. 
He was raised from the dead himself, and he now offers to everyone who will surrender to him. He offers forgiveness, forgiveness for those sins that lead to death, and he offers new life, new life that begins the moment you surrender to Christ, new life that continues on into eternity. The good shepherd sacrifices. That's what Jesus has done for you. Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you taken advantage of the forgiveness and the new life that he offers? Here's a fourth and final part of the job description for a shepherd, a good shepherd. He knows. This is kind of a bonus point from from John 10. I'm just going to mention it quickly and, and we'll close. But I want you to look again. Go back to verse 14 where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know my sheep. Circle that. I know, know my sheep and my sheep know me. Interestingly, in Jesus' day, uh, shepherds had a very close relationship with their sheep. Now, in, in contemporary culture, sheep are raised primarily as a food source. Sheep are raised because we want lamb chops and we want roast mutton. But in, in the first century, sheep were valued more for their wool. So they weren't slaughtered, they were sheared. And, and this meant that sheep might be in the care of their shepherd for many, many years. In fact, a, a shepherd would often have pet names for each of his sheep. Jesus is like one of those ancient shepherds. Jesus knows his sheep. In fact, look again at John 10. Jesus says, verse 14, I know my sheep. I had you circle that, and my sheep know me. And then he adds in verse 15, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? I mean, this is incredible. Jesus knows me to the same extent that the Heavenly Father knows him? Wow. Wow, the good shepherd knows me. The good shepherd knows me. J.I. Packer is a brilliant Bible scholar and theologian. He's written a best-selling book that's been around for years called Knowing God. And the book, as you would expect, is all about how to get to know God. But in one of the early chapters of the book, Packer makes the point that as cool as it is to get to know God, it's equally amazing and comforting and inspiring to understand how deeply God knows me. I want to close this sermon by reading a passage from Packer's book to you. Now, you're going to have to listen carefully, you're going to have to concentrate, but this is incredibly rich stuff. Let me close with this. What matters supremely, therefore, is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God, but the larger fact which underlies it, the fact that he knows me, and I'm never out of his mind. I mean, all of my knowledge of him depend, depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there's no moment when his eye is off me or his attention is distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. 
This is momentous knowledge. This, this is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. There is tremendous, re- listen to this, tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in a way I'm so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. I got a paragraph to go, but I got to insert something. Do you hear what he's saying? So often when we sin, when we do something stupid, foolish, hurtful, harmful, we say, how could I have done that? We're disillusioned with ourselves. God's never disillusioned with his sheep. The good shepherd is never disillusioned because he already knew the worst about you and chose to love you and offer his life to pay for your sins anyway. And then the last paragraph. There is certainly great cause for humility in the thought that he sees all the twisted things about me that my fellow men see, that my fellow men do not see, and am I glad, and that he sees more corruption in me than that which I see in myself, and that, that's plenty, right? There is, however, equally great incentive to worship and love God in the thought that for some unfathomable reason he wants me as my friend, as his friend, and desires to be my friend and has given his son to die for me in order to realize this purpose. Wow, God knows me. Is is Jesus your good shepherd? He calls you. He's called you by name. Have you responded? Have you surrendered your life to him? I'm going to give you a moment as we close in prayer to to do that if you, you, you never have. He leads you. Are you allowing the shepherd to lead you each day by by feeding you from his word? Or are you a skinny, malnourished sheep because you're not feeding on the scripture? He leads you by comforting you. Are you you going through a difficult time today? He wants you to come to him, allow him to comfort. Have you wandered off? He wants to restore you. He sacrifices his life for you, and he knows you. He knows everything there is to know about you. You are never out of his watch care. Let's pray. You know, as we bow in prayer, we're going to uh, collect our gifts in just a moment, and we're going to sing a, you know, a final song, just a, an incredible song about the relentless way in which our good shepherd pursues us. But I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never surrendered to Christ, to do that right now, to say, you know, Jesus, I've been holding out on you, and I recognize even today it's like internally I can hear your voice, and you want me to follow. I've never followed, but today I want to start. I surrender my life to you. I thank you for what you did on the cross in laying down your life for me. You took the hit that my sins deserve, death. You took the fangs of the predator in your neck, And you took him out in the process. And I want the new life that you give. Thank you that you know me. If you're already a Christ follower, can you say if you've wandered from him, Lord, I want to come back today. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. If you're in a period of stress, Can you just call out to the good shepherd and say, oh, shepherd, I need you. Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Our worship today is in your name. Amen.